Come on, you guys can do better than that. Oh, come on. I am super excited to be here this morning, up here this morning. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Woo! Okay, so let's see how many people are rooting for the Eagles. Lift your hands. All right, two. Okay, how many people are rooting for the Chiefs? Two. Okay, everybody else is. How about how many 49er fans out there that don't care? Yeah, where's Mason? Mason is my boy, Jared. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> oh, but it's good to be here. This is the last uh, session of the True Discipleship um, series, and uh, I've been loving it. I've been eating it up because the things that the three previous speakers have been talking about, it, it's like, yeah, Lord, that, that's, I, I want to grow in that. I want to learn about that. I, I want to learn what it means to take up my cross and follow you every single day. It's, it's been very, very, very challenging, and I, I hope you've been finding that too. You know, for, for me and Ida, so as we've been, as I've been processing this whole thing about true discipleship, one thing that the Lord brought to mind, especially as I was preparing this message, is some, some choices that, that I've made over the years. And one of those choices was to follow the Lord in regards to my family. And as a lot of you know, that we, we adopted two kids from China several years ago. And that was been on our hearts for a while, but it wasn't until the Lord said, go, go get them. So it was, okay, we're going to go get them. But another thing that he spoke to us was about homeschooling. And when that first idea first came up, it was like, yeah, you know, those homeschoolers, God, they're kind of a little bit different than everybody. Just a little bit, I don't know, I think of like mountains and being so far away and just kind of, I don't know, hillbilly kind of, you know, and I'm just going, ah, I don't know. But as I kept processing, as Ida, um, me and Ida kept processing and thinking about it, talking to people. And I think this is kind of where we learned about a little bit about group discernment. As we started talking to people and getting their thoughts and their sensing that it, the calling grew stronger and stronger and stronger over the years until it got to a point where we're like, you know what? This is what the Lord is calling us to do. And we need to lay down some things that we want to do. You know, one of the things that we used to do, because Jackson went to public school for one year, we would take him, drop him off, and then Ida and I would go have a breakfast. It was like the best. We would go out and we're like, let's try this place. This place has good coffee. Let's try this, you know. When we said, when we thought about homeschooling, we're like, oh, there's no drop-off. This is us. And so that whole going out, gone. But as we kept talking with the Lord, kept looking more and more into homeschooling and the, the positives and the pros of it, we just felt like it totally outweighed the cons for us. And so we just felt like, you know, over time, just we, we need to do this. And, you know, Ida does most of the homeschooling. I, I do one day a week. I do, I, I, I do, I, I'm, I'm one of his teachers. And I teach science. And I tell you, I hated science in high school. <laughs> Oh my gosh, in college, ah, oh, all those science classes, ah, oh, I don't want to do this. But that was one that I didn't want to do, so I go, okay, I'll do it. And we went over the curriculum, and the curriculum is awesome. It's written by a Christian lady, and it has biblical principles in there. And it's, it's so easy to talk about stuff and go, but you know, what do you think God thinks about this? As he created all this? Anyway, it's just been amazing time to just spend with my kids in educating them and helping them learn and grow. And, you know, the education part of it, that's important. You know, obviously we want our kids to be educated. But the thing that the Lord put on our hearts is that they need to know about who God is. First and foremost, they need to know about God. Are they going to get that in school? Uh, maybe public, certain uh, private schools and stuff. But probably not much in public school. And so this is our opportunity to disciple our kids. 
to pour into the, some of the most important people in our lives and to help them know who God is and know the Father's heart. And so we've just been blessed. It, it hasn't been like, oh, everything is, you know, every morning Jackson and Eliana wake up, yes, cool. No, no, no. There's some days where it's like a grind. But again, God's timing with low cost, loving our kids on purpose, curriculum, learning that it's about heart connection. That I tell my kids, especially when we're having a hard day, hey, we can make it through today as long as we stay heart connected. Okay, all the schooling stuff, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll get it eventually. But as long as you and I stay heart connected for today, that's a success. That's a success for today. And so we just feel so blessed that we're able to do all this with our kids. And so it's been a journey. Six, almost six years now. Yeah, five, five years. Um, but we look around and we don't have a lot of company on this journey. There's not a lot of people that are on the same road. And so at times it does get lonely. It does get hard as we travel. There's, you know, the Chiefs are in this on kind of a similar road too, so we talk to them. But our family and friends, not many, not many. But we say, well, Lord, you called us to this. You called us to this. You're leading us. You're going to provide. We trust in you. Even though at times it's lonely, we're going to persevere and we're going to keep going and keep looking for you through this whole journey and so i tell you it's been great and um i don't have any regrets for all the schooling and education and time that i've spent with my kids and so it's been good but there are times when you feel like you're going countercultural. everybody else is going one direction and we feel like we're going this other direction and that's what i want to talk about today the kingdom life is countercultural. It goes against this earthly world and the ways that things that happen in this earthly world. Jesus, when we look at Jesus, his life was like completely, which got him into trouble, or uh, got him into trouble. Can you say that about Jesus? He got into trouble, which people started attacking him for. And that's what we're going to be looking at today as we conclude this True Disciple series. My prayer is that for our church, that we would be a people that care more about following Jesus than following the crowd. You know, Jesus talks about us being sheep. Yeah, we're sheep. We are sheep. And sheep have a tendency to follow the flock. My prayer is that we, instead of being sheep that only follow the flock, that only focus on the flock, that we would look for the good shepherd and say, God, where are you leading? Where are you going? And I want to follow you. And hopefully there are other sheep that are coming with me, that are coming with us. So I want to keep my eyes set on Jesus. Where is he going? Wherever he goes, we may see flocks, other flocks going or other animals going different directions, but we say, I follow Jesus. You know, a lot of times, okay, this is off script. A lot of times with the social media stuff, it says the little following button. I don't like that. This is my own personal thing. I don't like to do that. So that's why I'm not on Instagram or any. That's why I like YouTube because it says subscribe. Hey, right, I'll subscribe, but I'm not going to follow somebody else except Jesus. And even though I, I know what they're saying, I know what they're, they're not saying, you know, but there, to me, there is something about that. When you press that, what are you saying? What are you saying? So anyway, that was a little bonus thing for you guys to... <laughs> Jesus, he didn't follow the rules. He didn't follow the tradition. He did his own thing, because he knew that operating, he, well, let me get back, he operated from a heavenly, eternal perspective. A lot of the religious rulers and the people at that time, they're, they're operating out of an earthly perspective. 
These are some things that I need to do in order to get me esteem, in order to get me money, in order to do this, in order to do that, in order to look right in front of the, the religious leaders. These are the things, these are the rules that man made on top of the Mosaic law. This wasn't God's rules, God's laws. These were things that the religious leaders made up. And they said, oh, you need to do this. And you need to do this. We need to define what it means to work on the Sabbath. So we need to come up with all these rules. And Jesus said, no, that's not the heart of my father. That's not the heart of my father. That's not why these laws were made. You guys are taking this and you're adding burden onto people. And you're actually pushing them away from God because they have to focus on all these other things. And Jesus came and said, no, no, you don't do that. Jesus came as a perfect representation of the Father to show people the Father's heart, that people would experience his love and his care for them, not his weight, not judgment on them, but that people would experience how much God loved them, how much God was for them. That's what he came to show us so that we can experience the Father's heart. Do you guys watching Chosen? You guys watching Chosen? Okay, I have to admit, I've only seen one. Okay, that was the first one. And it was funny, I was watching the ver- first episode, I was like, ah, it's, it's, yeah, whatever. What time? How long is this movie? How long is this? And I was kind of that way pretty much throughout the whole first episode until the very, that's when Matt Taguchi shared, when Jesus came and he said, Mary, and he spoke her name, I just, oh my God, I just started crying. And I was like, wow, Lord, to hear you say my, vo- my name, wow. Why did I bring that up? Um, as you watch Chosen which I still have to as well but this is what I'm hearing from other people (laughs) you get a sense of the father's heart as you watch Jesus that's the sense that you get you know even again from just watching little clips here and there I'm going oh Jesus he looks so kind and loving and just caring and fun right? That's what he came to represent, the Father's heart for us. Not heavy, heavy, heavy. He wants us to experience the joy, the peace, the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven in the Father's heart. Where am I? I don't even know where I am anymore. Um, He didn't follow the traditions that leaders made up. Ritualized hand-washing, okay, in Matthew 15. Jesus, his disciples were accused of breaking the Sabbath by picking grain because they were hungry. And the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, like, why are your your disciples doing that on on, on the Sabbath? That's in Matthew 12. Jesus went against the social norms and talked to a Samaritan woman. Oh, no. Then he had the nerve to ask her for a drink. Wow, that wasn't the social norms at that time, right? He couldn't, he's not supposed to do that. He's not supposed to start a a conversation with a woman. And he he associated with sinners. He went to one of the guys' house for a dinner, and the Pharisees saw them, and he's like, he's hanging out with sinners. Luke 15, and then he goes on to tell the story about the lost sheep, the lost son, the lost coin. These were no-nos in Jesus' day, and yet Jesus didn't care. These were acts no self-respecting Jewish man, much less a rabbi, would do. No way. You are not supposed to do these things. He was going against it. Cultural norms, the religious norms, traditions. No, because he cared about the person. He cared about the people 
more than that. Now, Jesus didn't do these things because he wanted to be a rebel without a cause. He just wanted to cause trouble. He didn't do that just because of that. It's because, like I said, he wanted to reach out to people, whatever it took, even if it meant going against the grain, going against the flow. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to let those things stop me from reaching people. Barry had, uh, Pastor Barry had brought out this new phrase, BLC, be like Christ. And if we want to BLC, if we want to be like Christ, that means we're going to have to go against the flow. We're going to have to go against cultural norms at times in order to follow the Lord. Now, I picked out this, ver- this uh, scripture. Um, I don't know. God, God just showed it to me. And I said, okay, is that what you want us to go? I'm not really sure, God, but that's okay. I'm going to listen to you. So Luke 8 Verses 22 to 25. If you have your Bibles or if you have eyes, you can look up here and see. We can go through that passage real quickly. It says this. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are going, we're going to drown. He got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm, the storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked, each, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Here's the story, which you, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with, that Jesus, they, they want to go to the other side. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So they all get in. He falls asleep. He must have been really tired. He must have been really tired. He falls asleep. A storm comes up. Crazy storm. The, the disciples, especially the four guys that are fishermen, they're like, we're going to die. We're going to drown. Let's do everything we can. But we're, if not, we're going to die. Wake him up. And as you know, he calms the storm. And then he says, uh, where's your faith? Just an amazing, amazing story. The first thing I saw from this, from Jesus, is that he gave them a direction or a word. And then he accompanied that with his presence. He was there. He went in the boat with them, okay? The storm comes up, and all these things happen. The freaking out, the what are we going to do, the grab that line, that set that sail, that all this kind of stuff, that's what the disciples were going through. Freaking out and going, oh, we're going to die. I'm going to show you a clip later on that kind of, it's not of the chosen, I'm sorry. I don't think they were one of the chosen. But it shows you, kind of gives you a picture of what they were going through, the stress and the anxiety and the fear and Jesus and what, what Jesus does. Now, if you take a second, let's, let's take a step back from this story. And I want to say something about storms. Storms are actually really good for us. As much as they hurt, and I'm talking about storms in your life that come, calamities, crises that come into our lives, they're actually really good for us, okay? Even though it hurts and it's not fun, what do storms do? When it's all calm and someone asks you, how are you doing with Jesus? How are you doing with the Lord? Oh, it's easy. It's easy to fake it or to just, yeah, things are good. Things are good. Things are calm. Things are smooth. Things are happening and Spending time with God and, oh, man, all these things. Oh, it's so good. But when the storm comes, it reveals something about us, to us. What's going on in here when things are going crazy? What's going on in here when your bank account is low? What's going on in here 
when the relationships are broken or that there's hardship? What's going on in here when I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week? What's going on when your house is in foreclosure or when the kids are running amok? What's going on in here? Are we still trusting and holding on to the Lord? Or is it, ah, ah, I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. And then, obviously, what happens in those times? It can lead us to taking very desperate action, making some very not good choices. That's what storms do for us. So let's go back to the disciples. They're crying. They're freaking out. They're trying to figure out what to do. But they get to a point where they're like, somebody's got to wake up Jesus. Okay? Now, I think about Jesus. I'm going, wow. He's in this storm. The, the, again, the four fishermen are going, holy smoke, we're going to die. Jesus, what kind of calm and peace must he have to be sleeping in the boat at this time? I don't know. But he's sleeping. And so they come to him, Master, Master, we are going to drown. They're in that survival mode. And I tell you, that's how the world, world says, yeah, no, that, that's a good, that's what you should do. You should be freaking out. Because that's, what, what else are you going to do? You're in survival mode. You got to survive. You got to figure out what to do. It's on you to figure it out. And if something doesn't happen, that's your fault. That's, that's on your shoulders. That's, it's all about you. And, oh, by the way, if you figure it out, hey, that's awesome. Good for you. But it's all on you. So we go through hard times. We go through crisis, fall into despair, having lost all hope in the situation. Yeah, that kind of seems about right. Oh, and don't forget uh, depression and addictions and uh, suicide. Those are other options, too, that the world says that that seems about right. Jesus, mm -mm. not according to Jesus, not according to how Jesus was handling it. There was this incredible peace in him where he could sleep, actually. There's times, and, and and I know that that is something that we can tap into also in the midst of those crises. It's not just because he's God. Everybody else, no, we can't do it. There are times that we can tap into that peace and experience peace joy and love even in the midst of crisis so he had his word he said we're gonna go we're gonna go there he had his presence in there hebrews 13 5 never will i leave you never will i forsake you romans 8 38 and 39 for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers Neither height nor depth, neither nor anything else in all of creation, in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is always with us. He's always in the boat with us. There's never a need for us to react like the world does and freak out and go, I'm so, I, 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 I'm going to do all these kind of things. It's all on me. I got to figure it out. We can always go to the Lord and trust him and his provisions and his goodness that he will be there for us and provide for us. I love that word, all. Nor anything else in all of creation. All. All means all. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. We always have his presence with us. 
So for those of us that know Jesus, we have the opportunity to exercise faith and trust in the one who took our sins upon himself and died in our place. We can exercise faith and trust in the one who cleansed us and gave us a new identity. We can exercise faith and trust in the one who sticks closer than a brother and lives inside of us. And we can exercise faith and trust in the one who loves us unconditionally, believes in us more than we do ourselves, and desires more for us than anyone else. Jesus. 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 Are we holding on to Jesus? Are we holding on to his word? Are we holding on to his, his, him being here, his presence? You know, um, in my quiet times, I, oh man, I've been loving this New Testament, going through the New Testament. And then I started a new program going through the whole Bible. And so, yeah, I've just been reading so much and I'm just loving it. And what I started doing was every morning, kind of what Pastor Barry said about the journal, I've been asking God, how do you see me? How do you see me? Oh, and there are times that he says kind of the same thing, but I don't know, for whatever reason, it just hits me differently. And it's like, oh my God, I am so loved by God. I am the apple of his eye. His eye is always on me, and I bring pleasure to him. Oh, words like that, just, oh. Wow, wow, that's how my papa sees me. So I asked him one day, do you get tired of me asking you, how do you see me? I mean, I don't know, wouldn't it get old after a while? He said, are you kidding me? I love it. I love it when you ask. You can ask me every day. You can ask me multiple times a day. But it's my time to speak into you. He said, if your kids came up to you and asked you, Papa, me, how, how do you see me? How, what would you feel about that? I was like, oh my gosh, I would love it if my kids would come up to me and ask me how I feel about them. Because it's my opportunity to speak into them, to share with them my heart and go, this is how I see you. This is how I see you. And to be able to speak into them in a way that they actually want to hear what I have to say. So then I was asking the Lord, can I do that for other people too then? Can I ask how you feel about other people? And he said, yes, absolutely. And so I started asking him, how do you see my wife Ida? How do you see her? Oh, can I tell you that just blessed me so much when I saw how God sees her. And then I went to each of my children. How do you see them? And oh, you think parents love the kids a lot? When I heard God's heart for them, I'm like, oh, you love them way more, way more than I love them. And that started me thinking, I can release them into his hands. Because he loves them more than I do. He's stronger than me. He knows more than me. He has more resources than me. So for me to say, no, no, Jackson, no, no, Eliana, this is what you're going to do. This is my thoughts of what you should do. That's actually hurting them. Instead of, let's seek the Lord's heart for you. And then I started asking him about you guys. I started like, okay, Lord, who are some people? And I started thinking about different people in our church. How do you feel about them? Oh, I saw some of you in different ways. Like, oh my gosh, that's how God sees them. Oh my gosh. Why aren't they serving more? <laughs> Why aren't they giving more? <laughs> I don't know how much people are giving. <laughs> but just to kind of sense, oh my gosh, this is the Lord's heart for us. This is how much he believes in us, how much he, he knows you and wants to give more to you. 
I think, for, especially for parents, well, no, for all of us, that's, that's an awesome exercise to do. And just asking, I want your perspective on things, God. I want your perspective on people. I'm having problems with this person. I want to have your perspective because you see beyond all that. His presence and the words that he speaks to us bring so much comfort and peace in the midst of a storm. And I pray that we would do that. The second thing I noticed is that Jesus used the power of the question. He used the power of the question. God cares about us so much that he is willing to take time to help us mature. You know, one way he does that is by asking us questions, which is a powerful way to help a person grow. Instead of always telling them, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. Instead of that, it's asking questions. And Jesus did that. In Luke's version, after Jesus calmed the storms, he asked his disciples a question. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? I can see the disciples in that moment when the storm calms that it's like, oh, we were going to die. <laughs> we were going, all of us, we were going to die. Maybe even Jesus too. We're all going to die. And yet now we're safe. Oh, wow. Okay. Feeling so relieved. And Jesus, instead of saying, hey, wasn't that awesome? Wow, that was pretty cool. You know, did you see that? He asked them, where was your faith? And I could see that triggering things within the disciples of, hmm, maybe I didn't react to that like I should have. Maybe there's other things I could have done or should have done that, I don't know, maybe look at all the stuff that he did before that. and. Uh, but it just starts getting people to think about what's going on and what just happened. Actually, let's, let's show the video right now. Is Matthew back there? Let's show the video. Again, this is the Jesus film, so it's not the chosen, but it's still, I think it's good. They're not going to be sound. Oh. <laughs> Whoosh. Crash. Ah, ah, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Peter, you sound like a girl. Ah, 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 yeah. See, already chosen is better, right? It has sound. <laughs> this is, yeah. Okay, where are we? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, okay, somebody wake up Jesus. Is, he, is that Jesus? I can't see. Yeah, wake up Jesus. Wake up. Uh, uh, what are you guys doing? What's going on? Anybody fishing? Yeah, okay. Okay, you guys. I got this. What's amazing is it was raining too. Is he sleeping in the rain? I just, I heard singing in the rain, but sleeping in the rain. And that's when he asked his question Where's your faith? And look at their faith. Okay, thank you. Thanks, the visual team. Thank you. Sound guys. Ah. <laughs> As you can see in that, you get, a, you get a visual sense of what was happening in that, in that episode. 
where, yeah, they're, they're freaking out. I mean, you know, again, a sane person, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you think you're going to die, and, you know, those boats, you see the water coming in, and then you look at Jesus. He's not even up. He's not even awake. That's what the world says. Freak out. You have the right to freak out. But Jesus. Hmm. And John, do you think Jesus was asking that question because he didn't know the answer? Do you think he was asking them, hey guys, uh, just, you know, where's your faith? I, I don't know. I don't know where your faith is. So where's, I don't think so. I don't think he was asking that just because he didn't know. In John 22, verse 25, it says that Jesus knew what was in each person's heart. So the question really wasn't about him getting information. It was about, it was a strategic question meant to help the learning process for the disciples. Imagine this. A teacher is working with a young kid, child, trying to teach them arithmetic. And so the teacher goes, oh, what is two plus two? Is it because the teacher doesn't know what two plus two is? No, he knows. He or she knows. It's to help the child learn math, learn the strategies of math, learn the process of math. It's to help the child grow and learn so that they can take on bigger and bigger and bigger challenges in math. And God does the same thing for us. He asks this question, Todd, what was going on in that? Catherine, what, what are you thinking about? What's going on? Daniel, why are you asleep? <laughs> oh, <laughs> he has so much peace. The peace of the Lord is on Daniel. He's sleeping in this storm. <laughs> the Lord asks us questions because he wants us to think. To think about, hmm, what's going on here? To think about, oh, what are some of the principles that I've learned in the Bible that apply to this situation? Maybe that I didn't respond the way I was supposed to. What do you think about that, Lord? And then a discussion with the Lord can start to happen. Well, what do you think about this, Lord? Oh, hmm, yeah, maybe that. Or think about this. Ooh, oh, I didn't think about that. Okay, okay. I've been listening to uh, Graham Cook, and he does that. He, his time with the Lord is all about the, God asks him question after question after question, and it's just this amazing discussion and this perspective that he gets, this revelation that he gets as God asks him all these questions. And I feel like as we are open to more of the questions that God has for us. And we not just hear the question and go, yeah, 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 but have a thoughtful response to what God is doing. I think we're going to learn some things. We're going to get some really, really great revelation. Because God doesn't ask lame questions. God always asks good questions, questions that we need to deal with. He always asked that. And so, in your quiet time, in your times with the Lord, or just in general, God may bring questions to you. And when he does, I want to encourage you to listen to them, to think about them. Because, you know what? There's not a lot of people in our lives that do this kind of ministry for us that will be willing to listen and ask good questions about us not for some kind of agenda, but to ask for us. You know, I meet with John Hino. John is the host, as you, if you guys don't know, he's the host of Catalyst Stories. And the way he is when I meet with him is just like in those Catalyst Stories. And he asked me the greatest, he asked me the greatest questions. I'll be sharing something and then he'll go, oh, okay, I, I hear you. I hear you in such and such. Um, tell me more. What, what's going on in this? Can you explain a little bit more about this? And when he asks me those questions, I just feel like, oh, he, he hears me, 
He knows my heart, and he wants to know more about that situation. He is imparting the Father's heart onto me. And so I feel like, yeah, I, I want to share more to him. I want to share more with him. And so he and I meet once a month, and we have these great discussions. I mean, I think with him, I have some of my longest meetings because we just enjoy each other's company. Well, I'm, I enjoy your company, so I don't know what you feel about me, but I enjoy your company. So find someone. Okay, John's mine. So you guys got to find someone. <laughs> no, talk to John. John is always open to talking to people, listening, asking good questions. But really, there's one who always is there to us, always available to us, always wants to hear more. Tell me more about that. Why is there, is there, sounds like there's some fear in that. Can you share with me more? God wants to hear that. And he already knows. That's the problem. That's the, not problem. That's the thing is he already knows the answer, but he wants to hear it from our lips, that we would speak it out and be ministered by him. That's what he wants. And again, there's not a lot of people in this world that will do that for us. And especially unpaid, you know, like not counselors and psychologists and people just that we rub shoulders with and we say, yeah, hey, how's it going? Oh, wow, tell me more about it. That doesn't happen a lot. But Jesus does that for us. And we could do that for other people. The last thing is the disciples ask themselves, who is this? Okay, I think all these, the question that Jesus was asking led to this. Who is this? That they're, okay, at this point, they didn't know that he was the Messiah. So they're seeing all this stuff and they go, okay, who, who is this guy that can calm, that everything listens to him, nature listens to him? It says, who is, they said to ask each other, who is this? He commands even the wind and the water and they obey him. It led them to this question for them to ask themselves and each other, who is this man? I believe that as they walked with Jesus and Jesus kept asking questions and kept teaching and all these things, it was step by step by step for the disciples to know this, he is the Messiah. At some point they came and said, this, he is the Messiah. In, in fact, in Matthew 16, verse 13 to 17, this is what happened. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. What about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. I can imagine, like, Jesus asking them, who do you say I am? I can imagine the 12 going, oh, gosh, that's, is that a trick question? Is, what, what, how should we answer that? Rabbi, is, is, that, is, that the, is that number one answer? Uh, Judas, you answer. You, you're going to mess up anyway. You answer. <laughs> okay, well, P Peter, you're the loud mouth. You, you know, and of course, Peter does. He jumps in there and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father, but by my father in heaven. Peter, for all his mistakes that he's made, he got it right on this one. Revelation from the father opened up Peter's eyes to see the Messiah that was right in front of them. And so they believed. The disciples believed that he's the Messiah. How do we know that? Look at the way they, they lived and then they died. They all died for, the, for, the, for their faith. And all of them except for, okay, take Judas out, but all of them except for John were killed, were martyred. They were all persecuted, but they went to their grave praising and have, keeping their faith in Jesus. 
So, this begs the question, who is Jesus to you? Now, an easy answer would be, well, he's my Lord and Savior. Yeah? Does your life reflect it? Those words that you confess, he is my Lord and Savior. Do our words, do our lives reflect those words? Maybe the Savior part, I'm going to get to heaven. The Lord part. I think that's the part that we kind of, sometimes, if we don't, I don't want to do that. I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if, that we push that part aside. And we say, no, I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to worship in a way that's dignified. I'm going to sit there and listen to the message. I'm going to go to a small group. We huddle, maybe. I'm going to do these things. But the rest of my time is mine. The rest of my time is mine. So reading the Bible, I'll just do it when I feel like. Praying, I'll do it when I feel like. Are we saying, God, every morning waking up, good morning, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. How do you see me, Lord? How do you see me? Oh, that's how you see me. That's how you see me. Yeah. Today, Lord, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. You are my Lord. You are my master. You are the one that knows what's best for me. And I say yes to you. No more, I don't feel like it. I'm not going to do it. No, no, I'll do this, but not that. I am not the judge of my life anymore. He is the Lord. And what he says, I need to say yes to, even though I don't understand. Even though I'm like, what is that going to lead to, God? What, where, what's going to happen? That doesn't make sense. That's not my job to figure that out. My job is to say yes. Wherever you want me to go, I say yes. Because if I receive Jesus as Lord, that's what he deserves. And every excuse is just that. It's an excuse for me not doing, for me not trusting. As I was doing this message, it was convicting to me. There are areas in my life where I say no. And I was like, God, help me with that. Help me. Help me say yes to you. Help me. Because I want to say yes to you and everything, even if it looks like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think that's going to work out good for me. Does it really matter if he's Lord? It's a question we need to ask ourselves. Who is he? Who is he to us? I have some application. And that goes against the world, right? The world doesn't say that. The world says you are the master of your own life. You make the decisions. Not for Christians. Not for those who have taken Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's some application, what we can do. Remember when God came through for you, testimonies. Like the podcast, right? Hearing all these testimonies, remembering he was there. He was there with me. He came through for me. So the next time, he's going to be there for me. Yes. And we move from glory to glory to glory. Remember. Number two, listen for God's questions and take time to thoroughly answer them. Thoroughly think about them. Just, just have a conversation with him. Don't just give him flippant answers. And number three, ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? Go through this list. I have a list of areas in your life and see if, you ref if your life reflects who you profess Jesus to be. And so it's part of the consecration stuff. Ooh, that, that's, a, that's a nicer slide than what I made. Um, just go through them. 
all those different areas, all those areas where they're valuable to me. These people are valuable to me. Look at them and go, am I putting any of them or anything above God? The whole consecration thing, exercise that we did in the cleansing seminar, just go through that and just go, God, which are the areas that you want me to bring down? Otherwise, it's an idol. So, yeah, I pray that you go through that. Ask, who is Jesus to me? And then look at your life. I pray that we, as a church, and as individuals, will continually step into this kingdom lifestyle of following Jesus no matter what and saying, I'm going to go with him. I'm looking at my eyes on him. Hopefully there are other sheep that are coming with me. I'm going to keep my eyes on him and see him through the storms, see him through all the stuff that's going on, all the confusion, and saying, God, I'm going to follow you. I pray that that's the heart of our church. Let's pray. Oh, God. just love you so much, Jesus. just love you so much. And I know that you are good and faithful. Oh, that you watch out for me. You watch out for us. All your way is good. And the things that you want to lead us into are good. They're good. They may not always be the most comfortable, but they are good. They are good for us. So, Lord, I pray, I pray that we would be more concerned about what you think and about what you are directing us to than what the world says. That we won't be um, shy or shrink back with mm. Mm. that we won't be shy or shrink back from what's scary or what's challenging to us because everything, everything in your eyes, they're all small molehills. Nothing is too big for you. Nothing. So thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So in this time of worship, may we just engage with you as we sing, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, it won't be just words that come out, but it's worship. It's worship. It's worship that comes out. Jesus, we love you. Papa, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for our online service. Hope you will join us in person sometime. It would be great to see you and meet you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Catalyst YouTube channel so you don't miss out on anything. And be blessed this week. And as always, thank you, Jesus. <laughs>